Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to the Champions of Happy podcast. The podcast where I talk to my friends about what makes them happy, what makes them smile and what brings them joy. Hello and welcome to the podcast, Eleanor. Hello. Hi. Thank you so much for joining me. Oh, I'm so excited to be here. Because I do all my podcasts via Uh, Zoom. I think you win for the best backdrop. Yeah. Ah, yeah. Ah. (laughs) So, I know, um, well, (laughs) there is, like, the palm in the background. It's actually not, I don't know, it's not palm, it's something else. was, like, the first, like, living thing that my boyfriend and I bought together. So we've managed to keep it alive, which is a good sign, I believe. Um, and the lights I bought during first lockdown because I was like, I'm going to make videos of me singing with cool lights in the background. And I didn't make one video. Uh. But now, <laughs> like, they work perfectly for the season. So it's great. They, um, I'm used to the last three years, I've started celebrating working on Christmas at the end of September. So actually, I kind of feel like it's just kept Christmas going in my house. <laughs> since the last time I was working at Christmas. Nice. Well, it's very festive. And that's a brilliant segue onto the uh, talking points of the podcast today. I forgot what I was going to say then. <laughs> uh, yes, so it is December. Uh, we are talking about all things Christmas. And you are a performer, um, first, firstly, but you've also heavily experienced within the panto world. Yes, yeah. <laughs> so before we dive into all things panto, could you please uh, little, tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, your training, how you develop your skills, and uh, yeah, who are you? Sure. Well, um, I like I always I always performed like for my family when I was a kid, like around the house, putting on little shows, like dragging my sister into it. My mum has like built-in wardrobes in her bedroom, and we'd like come out the doors and be like singing cats. The railway cat, whatever, Skimble Shanks was the one in front of the big mirror. So I'm like, I feel like it's just in my blood. Like I've just, I've never been able to get away from it. Like we, I was really lucky. I grew up in the middle of nowhere in, a, in like 16 acres of land. So I'd literally like run around the garden, like singing at the top of my lungs, like, well, you know, just everything to perform. Um, and then I just sort of was doing, you know, lots of little amdrammy things. And um, I eventually went to East 15 to study acting. Um, but since I graduated, I've actually only really worked in musicals and singing and stuff. I think like that's just so much a part of who I am singing. I think that it's just, yeah, I've always worked in that side of the industry. And I've been really lucky. I've had a few really nice jobs and stuff. And um, yeah, that's kind of how it happened. It just kind of like... Yeah, it's nice. just been a part of me. You know, when people are like, what's your hobby? I'm like, oh, 
Well, mm. my hobby is kind of my job, so. <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> like, a perfect answer, though. Yeah, I've like forced myself to like pick up hobbying. Like I do the crochet now. I'm very good oh. at it. But, like, yeah, like that's just what, you know, part of my blood, I think. It's who oh, I fantastic. Am. Yeah. So you mentioned your sister. She is she, I take it she's also in the, the, the theatre performance yeah, world. Yeah, so she's a producer, a director. She has her own um, theatre company called Skewball Theatre and they produce children's theatre. And they started off doing it sort of, you know, on a budget like really working really hard and they did a lot of outdoor promenade type theater and now they're doing really well like they've got um they do this uh show it's called Mimi and the Mountain Dragon it's at Christmas it's a Michael Morpurgo book that they've now staged yeah. and it's so cute like the cutest little Christmas story um but yeah so she like is doing producing theater and stuff and that's how she ended up giving me my first professional job when I left drama school which was um, the tale of beauty and the tale of the beast, as in his tale. So oh. it, it was like this crazy retelling of it where um, we were sort of, you know, like we were theatre performers, you know, back in the day like, and um, putting on the show of Beauty and the Beast. And the, the joke was that the beast had this seriously long tail that sort of like appeared all the time and, you know, would fall out of uh, the actor's trousers by accident. And it was just, you know, crazy. But um, yeah, really good fun. <laughs> but I could so just how remember... old would have... Oh, sorry. How, how old would you have been when you did the, the tale of the beast? I think I was 21 or maybe I just turned 22. Like I mm -hmm. just left drama school. So yeah, it was kind of like my first big gig oh, nice. <laughs> out in the real world <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and do you feel most comfortable then on the stage compared are you do you feel more of a, a stage performer compared to uh, say tv or film or oh my god absolutely I think I would be completely at sea if I was doing like tv or film actually yesterday I was filming a self-tape with um with a friend and I just was terrible at it like they're like stop looking at the camera stop doing this because I just um yeah because I'm just not used to it like my I don't know, there's something about being on the stage. I don't know, like every night the show is gonna be slightly different. It's never gonna be the same. And there's different vibes from the audience that you're sort of feeding off. And I just love that so much. I love that thrill. It's every time I open a show, I'm always like, oh, like so nervous. Like, why am I doing this to myself? Like every <sighs> time, like, why have I put myself in this situation? And then I like, you know, get out there and I just remember that like, I just feel that vibe from the audience. And it's just knowing that you're creating something that night that, is never going to happen again even if you do the same thing the next day what happened that particular show is never going to happen again and yeah i was going to ask are you on stage at any point and go okay yeah that bit then then that bit then then that bit or is it is it always, is it always different to you because in my head if you do something so many times you might get a little tired of it yeah perhaps? yeah i see yeah like some like when you're doing a show a lot of times you get that sometimes you're like really tired and you're just kind of like oh i gotta just get i'm gonna get through this but then I just like think to myself, cause I feel like I'm just, I have to remind myself how lucky I am to have that job. Like how many people wanted that role that I'm playing? How many people wanted that spot on the stage? Mm -hmm. And I just remind myself that. And I just think, I just try and keep myself as present as I can while I'm performing to like, you know, because when I was younger, all I wanted to do was be on the stage and performing. And when I've achieved that and I'm doing it, I have to like give it to that younger self, to my child, my childhood, like live it for her because she really wanted it so much. So yeah, I try really hard to always be present. But yeah, there are times when you're like half asleep and you're really tired and you're forcing yourself to get through the show. But yeah. <laughs> nice. Oh, that's brilliant. So uh, I this 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 podcast 
came about because of COVID. Um, it's yeah. not a COVID podcast at all. Um, but I guess well, I've been talking to a lot of people and people have been taking on COVID differently in their different industries and how it's affected them. How not to be a complete downer, but how much of it, how has it affected your work? Yeah, well, I mean, obviously there's like not much performing work out there. And so it's just been really, really difficult. And a lot of companies are just obviously rehiring people that they've used before because it's really difficult to do auditions and stuff. And I've actually been really lucky and had a couple of little auditions and especially in the break between lockdown one and lockdown two, I had a re- mm-hmm. few really good chances and getting back in the room, it was just amazing. But yeah, everything kind of, for me has been, was paused. Um, and I was trying to find things to do to sort of keep myself going, like singing, but even if it was just, I was like trying to make myself just sing for myself every day. Cause there were days I woke up and I was just like, oh my God, I just like, <gasps> what is happening? But I felt like I really held it together first lockdown. I was like, okay. I was, you know, doing little, um, zoom videos concerts for at my granddad's care home like just Aww. trying to do something just to be performing for people um so first lockdown was great like and i was on furlough from my job so i was you know getting a little bit of income so i didn't i wasn't like panicking too much and then um and then i was you know took got a full-time job straight after lockdown because i was like i just you know what what is going to happen like i might as well mm-hmm. go for try and save some money try and be you know a bit stable at this point because i just don't know what is going to be happening you know even in the next six months still we don't know what really is going to happen so yeah. i was just trying really hard to be positive and i feel like i tried so hard first lockdown to keep it together and i was like yeah I'm bubbly and stuff and like, my boyfriend is a drummer so like his work completely dried up as well and i think i was like keeping it together trying to be positive for everybody and then like you know like a few weeks after that i like had this like crazy breakdown like one day i was just like oh my god like i couldn't like console myself and i that's just not me either like i'm like a really always going for it, always, you know, looking on the bright side, trying to keep as positive as I can. So that came as a real shock to me Uh afterwards when I suddenly like had this little breakdown and I was like, what is happening to me? Like, I I can remember like being in tears, like saying to my boyfriend, like, I don't, what's wrong with you? I don't know what's wrong. Like, because I just had never, I don't really feel like I've ever had anything. I mean, you're saying all this with a massive smile on your face as well. So clearly you're (laughs) radiant happiness and you're not. I just feel, I just. I'm really scared. I'm going to encourage another breakdown now on podcast live. (laughs) What have I done? Yeah, no, you're going to be fine. Don't worry. Like, I just, it just suddenly had happened to me. I, I feel like I'm one of those people that's very good at, like, keeping everything inside, keeping the lid on it, and, like, keeping a smile going. And it just mm-hmm. suddenly just escaped one day, and I just, you know, was, like, trying to pull it back in again. But, yeah, I feel like I've got it together again now. It's all good. Like, I've do, been doing a few little videos with some friends, do some recordings to sort of release up there. Like, Daniel and I made this little video during lockdown of us singing and stuff. So I feel like... I've been trying to do little things like that to create, keep my creativity going mm-hmm. when it's kind of disappearing a little bit around us. But yeah, I just, I try so hard just to keep positive because at the end of the day, like there's no point in wallowing in like this, yeah. this downward spiral because I just, like I can't control what's happening outside. So I'm just going to control what's happening here and not worry about too much about that because I can't change what's happening. So no. there's no point stressing too much. I think. Nice. 
Good. No, yes, absolutely. I mean, I don't think I've mentioned this on the podcast, but on lockdown one, I was pretty all right. I was like, I did my home workout, so I was getting really fit and physical. I'm not anymore. Um, <laughs> but I had my first proper COVID cry the night Eurovision was meant to be on TV because I'm, not, I'm a massive Eurovision fan anyway. And I would normally be at a party with my friends, watching it, kind of not watching it, drinking, watching it, not drinking, but, oh, drinking. And then we were at home and watching it on TV and they were doing this kind of like, it wasn't Eurovision, but the presenters were hosting saying, oh, here's who would have been singing. And they would do like mini interviews with people. And I think my boyfriend was just talking to me, talking to me, and I just, I could feel it bubbling. And like, oh no, oh no. And literally it all came out. It's like, you were right. And I like proper meltdown. I was like, no, I should be with my friends. And uh. Yeah. So yeah, surprises when you when it hits you the most. Yeah, I I think yeah, that's how my experience was. It like it really took me by surprise. Like mm. I'd had a really nice night. We were doing like at home spa date night. Like it wasn't oh. like I was doing it, and it just suddenly like came over me. And then we made the mistake of like watching a Winnie the Pooh movie. I sat there, and I was like, Why have we done this? Why are we watching this movie? Like, what are <laughs> we doing? like this like nostalgia moment I was just like oh my god like I'm dying now it's just too much but yeah I completely understand like you just it just comes out of nowhere and I feel mm -hmm. like when you're really trying really hard to keep it together all the time especially if you're trying to like keep it together for other people that are around you it will suddenly just explode out of you and I feel like I feel like you were having a similar moment to me there. yeah it's like lockdown two has been all right because I've kind of I've been aware of what's going well better aware of what's going on or not going yeah. on or that and yeah, I have the podcast now so I corner people into talking to me um yeah, that's it like you're forcing people now to talk to you so yeah. you, you hello so you get lonely, <laughs> just message someone and be like right let's do a podcast do you want to be on the podcast episode please talk to me <laughs> I mean this lot I was really lucky I was working basically full time so I, I was very grateful I'm so grateful to have a job like and mm -hmm. I know I'm really lucky in that respect there are a lot of people still out there struggling so I was really grateful to be working and you know because actually that kept me busy this time. I didn't have time to worry about anything else or feel feel like I should have been doing the home workouts when I really wasn't. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I started last week doing yeah. squat challenge and I'm giving up already. I'm like, oh, maybe I'll wait till after Christmas. Oh, yeah. well, we'll see. But um, I was when I was debating about December about what um, topics to cover, I was like, oh, it's Christmas. People go to pantomimes. And I'm like, oh, am I going to get... Am I going to get an actor who actually wants to talk about pantomimes when pantomimes aren't really happening now? It's like, oh, is that a bit too much? So thank you for coming. For those who don't know what pantomime is, who may might not might not be British or just don't know what it is, could you give us a understanding of what pantomime is? Yes. Gosh, I feel pressure here to explain this. <laughs> <laughs> um, so basically, it's kind of like traditional fairy tales. So you have like Cinderella, Sleeping Beauty, Robin Hood. What else are the good ones out there that people do? Oh, uh, Beauty Aladdin. Queen, Aladdin. They're all sort of traditional fairy tales. Um, how do I describe this? <laughs> <laughs> this <laughs> is your job. Like, I know, right? So there's like, it's basically, it's a traditional fairy tale, but kind of Dick Whittington, that's another one. Oh, yeah. Basically course. performed in a sort of, like, if you've got like that serious, the lovers, like the young people, the principal boy and girl. Um, and then you have sort of like their sidekick and there's always the baddie that makes things go wrong. It's a bit, it's kind of like, you always have like the dame, the panto dame, don't you? So that's kind of like the comedy character. You've got like the silly character, the silly Billy role. 
So basically, it's kind of like they're all the same characters, but just in a different story, basically. Yeah. I'm going to go with that. And, <laughs> and it's like interactive. So, you know, when the baddie comes on, everybody has to like boo and hiss at them. And, you know, we all cheer when the goodie comes on. There's always sort of like a sort of narrator character that speaks in verse. Um, like the fairy usually or like the, the slave of the ring and Aladdin so there's just kind of like I don't know like and the jokes are kind of aimed at they're sort of you have the kiddie jokes and then you have the ones that the kids won't understand so it's like fun for the whole family basically yeah do you remember what your first um pantomime was you watched as a child oh my gosh do you know what I don't know if I do remember uh I just remember always going. Like mm. I grew up halfway between, I grew up in this tiny village, like halfway between Western Superman and Bristol. So we would either go to, we usually went to the one in Western, the Playhouse in Western Superman. And I do remember Snow White very vividly. So I feel like that was probably it. Mm-hmm. It must've been because, <laughs> this is an embarrassing story. On our Christmas tree, we used to have little red apples, right? Little red apple decorations. I don't know why, but we did. And I would take the apple, pretend to bite it, and then pretend to like fall asleep, like sleeping, uh, like uh, Snow White. So it must have been, it must have been Snow White, like (laughs) like ingrained (laughs) into me because the Disney movie scared me. I don't think I watched it. Like I watched it once, Uh... and then that was it. Like game over. That's too scary. So I feel like probably Snow White, and I feel like I'd seen that one quite a lot as well. But yeah, I'm gonna go with Snow White. Were there any that's points in the day where your parents would say, here, "Here, take this apple, eat it, go to sleep"? Yeah, right. Maybe, <laughs> maybe that's what my parents are doing. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I was a very loud child. <laughs> Back on the subject of Panther, then a little birdie. Then uh, I mean, you uh, told me that in the past you won a contest, Panther contest. Yeah, so I, I won Panto Factor, right? Please tell me everything, because you texted me this, and I was like, I don't quite, I don't quite get it, so please yeah. go through all of it for me. So, okay, so it was like, the first, it was basically, they just filmed all the, we were filming the auditions, and it kind of had like a little panel, like, like basically kind of like X Factor style audition for Panto, so Panto Factor. And um, it was all filmed, it's all on YouTube, and no. <laughs> Yes, I know what I'm doing later. (laughs) So basically the the company Magic Beans were putting on Panto Factor. So I guess it kind of, to find their leading Robin Hood and Maid Marian for Robin Hood and the Babes of the Woods. And that was the first year I did it with them. So that was it in Dunstable Theatre. Dunstable Playhouse? Dunstable. Anyway, the theatre in Dunstable. I can't remember what it was called. Um... (laughs) So basically, like, the first round was, like, at Pineapple with all the cameras and the lights. And I was like, oh, my God, like, this is, like, this is like a serious, serious thing. And I was so nervous. And I can just, and I sang my song and then they did the little feedbacks and then they had to, like, vote on whether I got through to the recall. What did you sing? I sang, what did I sing? Oh, my gosh, I know the name. I'm like, I do this all the time. I'll go into the audition room and they're like, what are you going to sing? And I'm like, "Mm." And I have to I'm like, gonna tell you. I'm just going to yeah. sing it. I'm, I'm just <laughs> um, it was from A Little Princess, the musical. Um, mm. Oh my god, what was the song called? I can't remember the name of the song. I don't know why I'm like having a mind blank. Insert name of song here. Insert um, name of song here. Editing James. Literally, 
oh my god why can't I remember the song though? anyway <laughs> the, song, the little princess musical um which uh yeah so I sang my, my sang song and at some point I'll remember the name and I'll just be like it was this song uh I'm so bad at remembering names and stuff sorry so, <laughs> gonna be good for the rest of the podcast but you remember <laughs> lines and lyrics how do you yeah I know well <laughs> do you know what <laughs> I don't know the other, like, during, in between the two lockdowns, I had an audition and I had to send the music ahead, obviously, so we weren't, like, passing things. So the pianist mm-hmm. already had it. So I got in the room, they were like, what are you going to sing? And I was like, hmm. Because normally I'd have it in my hand and I'd just go, this song. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> uh. And I, then I was like, oh, I, I can't even, uh, now I can't even tell you what I sang at that audition either. I just, like, it's not like it's traumatic. It's just, I just can't remember. Should I look it up? I'll look it yeah, up. look it up. Because... <laughs> And then you can cut all that bit where I forgot what it was called out. (laughs) It was called Live Out Loud. That's what it was called. Live Out Loud. Classic. Yeah. So, yeah. So, basically, you know, it's it's Sarah. Her name is Sarah, isn't she? In The Little Princess. The main movie. Yeah. That's in the movie. Years ago. But, yeah. Yeah. Sarah. Some boy her. She's, like, you know, going about she's going to be individual. Great. Perfect for... um, Maid Marian. I was like, yeah, great. Maid Marian. I'm going in as a girl who wore a pretty dress. Then they recalled me for Robin Hood. And I was like, great. Like, oh, cool. Okay. But no, you know, who wouldn't want to be Robin Hood, the title character? So yeah. then the recall was at the theatre. And it was like two, it was like a whole day. And basically there was like a recall where we sang again. And that time I sang... <laughs> Can we play this game again? Uh. <laughs> no, I sang... Everybody says don't from uh, anyone can whistle. You know the one? Barbara's I don't know that one. No. Yeah, it's it's great. Everybody says don't. Because I was like, I'm going in the boy. So I like changed, I had switched up the look, like went in looking like principal boy. And then we did like little scenes with each other. And then they decided who was coming back again to sing again that afternoon. And then that was the end of like the first section. At the end of that, they said who was going to be recalled to the live final. I mean, obviously it was all big, you know, technically live. I don't know why I said like live final. I was singing live. Uh, so, but basically in front of an audience. <laughs> so then we like, obviously the panel were there and like giving feedback and stuff. Um, what were they like? Are they, was it like, a, did they have like a Simon Cowell type? Uh, um, gosh, like, you know what? I think they were just honest. They were lovely. I, I think the way that they were giving, the way they gave feedback was nice, even if it, you know, it was just um, like positive, uh, what's it, positive, not criticism. How do, what's that word when you like give good feedback, but like you give honest feedback in a nice criticism. way, basically. Yeah. Yes. Basically, they were, they were doing that. Um, um, yeah, and they were really lovely. And uh, so, yeah, so the end of the, so this was like the third round then, we were then selected to go to do the live show which was you know in front of the audience at the theatre where the panther was going to be held so I guess it was really good way of like building up sort of like um, audiences for the show as well because all the locals were like coming to watch it and stuff so I think that really helped that side of it not that they needed it like they had amazing celebrities that first year was Alan Fletcher you know Carl Kennedy mm-hmm. it was he was playing um the show of Nottingham so that was like they had a great you know a few really That's good wicked. people in it he was absolute dream but yeah so then the live final we had to do a solo song and I sang I'm not afraid of anything which is from songs for a new world by Jason Robert Brown okay 
because I was trying to, I was on the theme here of like, you know, principal boy. And it was uh, me and two other boys up for Robin Hood. So I was like, ooh. in my head, I was just like, well, either they're going to want a girl for the part or they're going to want a boy for the part. Like, I can't, like, yeah. I don't know. I was just like enjoying it because it was a live, live performance. And then we got to, they made to sing a duet um, with one of the girls who, who was going to be in Firm Maid Marion. And we did Take Me or Leave Me from Rent. We just went for it. It was so much fun. Yeah. And then then we all had to like stand at the end in a line and they had like the lights on us like flashing about like who was gonna get the part. And I can remember standing there just being like, oh, just like, just don't cry. If you don't win, just don't cry. Like in my head, that's what I was saying. Like, just don't cry. Cause I'm like, sometimes I've got like all my emotions seem to be like hot wired to my eyeballs. Like anything I feel, like if I'm upset, I cry. If I'm happy, I cry. If I'm angry, I cry, which is the most annoying because you're like being angry with someone and you're crying at the yeah. same time. Like it doesn't make you look so serious. I'm not sad, I'm angry. Yeah, I'm so mad. Um, <laughs> so I was like, just don't cry, just don't cry. So when they said my name, I was like, oh, it's me. Like I just, I really wasn't expecting to win. Um, so yeah, and then that was, that was it then. Then we, we, you know, we were meant to stay. I can remember we were meant to stay on the stage for the fireworks, but we were so excited. We just like had run off and then we had to like run back on again to like stand me and me and Mario. Like we, <laughs> it was great. So yeah. And then we just, that was how I got that, that big panto. Um, yeah. And it was like such fun. Like the company were really like really high production values in the show. It was just so much fun. And that first year we had this magic trick in it where Robin like, you know, was like, put in this trap and I could and it, these um I can't remember the name of them these two these two brothers that do all these crazy magic tricks I can't remember their name and um, they like came and we had like a whole session where they were like teaching us how to do it and I can remember like Alan was just kind of like right Al don't worry like it's gonna be fine like if you freak out just like shout from the box or something and I could remember like I used to have to like lie completely flat in this box and then wait for these like fake knives obviously to like close in and then I had a really quick, had to run around to do like the next scene. So I remember like every, I had to like wait for these things to go out and then I'd be like scrambling to get out of this box, <laughs> like run around. And it used to whack me on the back of my thighs every night. And I had these two permanent like dark purple bruises on the backs of my thighs from where I like whacked my legs every night getting out of this thing. But yeah, I can just, that was like, it was just crazy and it was so much fun. And it was my first like really big panto on stage. Like everything else up until then had been quite small scale. So mm -hmm. it was just so exciting. And I was just so excited to be there and um, yeah, do my magic trick. And we had to do in the, you know, when schools were still on, we did three shows a day. So we do like a one in the morning like the matinees were like school shows so there'd be so many kids in the audience which was so cool they were they just like have the best reactions and it's just I think it's just something about the innocence of children watching the theater is just something like you just don't you, you get to experience that you know every day mm -hmm. and I can remember like by the third show lying in this magic trick box just lying there like oh my god like what is like what is my life like just lying in, my, in this little box like trying not to like trying to keep my breathing steady just like gee like, <laughs> and I can remember my costume was gorgeous but it had this like metal boning down the front of it to keep it down and I can just remember like like wiggling my way with this boning like into this thing it was just crazy but yeah so amazing and then um, how long were you um doing that one for so that was that was the uh, Crisp for Christmas, I can't remember what year that was, Ooh, quite a few years ago. <laughs> so that was, uh, one Christmas, and then mm. they luckily asked me back to do the show again, but in Gravesend, the same show, 
the year later um with different people cut the magic trick like that was god <laughs> i was kind of like <laughs> oh. um but yeah so it was just i was so grateful to be asked back again to play that because it was just such a great role like it's just, I don't know, like, it's just so nice to be able to play a sort of empowered character. Like, there are, I mean, now there are so many more great female roles, but, you know, years ago, there just wasn't, mm. wasn't that round. And what was so great was um, Jamie, the guy whose company it is, he is, he loves Panto so much. He knows everything, like, all the history. So he, like, explained to me why they used to have girls playing the principal boy part, like, when they first started doing this thing, because basically when they allowed women to become performers there were quite strict rules about what they could wear on stage what they could do on stage but when they were playing a woman but they would, they'd never made any rules about if she was playing a man how she had to behave on stage so that's ah. where like the thigh, the thigh slap came in because it was kind of like the tongue-in-cheek of like that's why the principal boy she always has her legs out because it's kind of like oh, i've got my legs out because you know <laughs> playing a man is allowed so it was cool knowing that having that knowledge and playing that character was yeah really great and the second year i did it we did it with um Kiwi and adele lynch you know the twins from bewitched oh of course yeah yes and honestly, we got we sang Say La Vie as like the, the, from that big song at the end. And I can just remember every night being stood between the two of them, like center stage singing this song with them. And like my 10 year old self was like rejoicing. Yeah. I just like, is this my life? Like, <laughs> what is going on? And I think it's like never in a normal show do you get that. Like never do you get this sort of camaraderie. And because we are like obviously doing a very serious, like, a performance and we know we're taking it seriously but you get that sort of like joy for as well like much more I feel in a show like in a panto because everybody's everybody wants to have fun there's yeah. no sort of like there's nothing else sort of interfering and one night they we were not expecting it one night we we're all like waiting and they would come down and do their little um Irish dancing bit and this one night none of us knew they came down and they weren't in there fair they were one was a good fairy and one was a nasty the bad witch and um, they came down in double denim to do Sailor V, and none of us were expecting it. And I can just remember being like, <gasps> like, <laughs> honestly, I just was like, oh my Stay God. Staying character, like, staying character. It was like the best thing that ever happened. Like, I just remember being there, like, oh my God, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and they were just so lovely. Like, they're the most normal, nicest people as well. Like, you just, oh, when goodness. you're, you know, I think like, well, sometimes when you, when you meet someone that you've like known who they are like your whole life, like, you always like you were expecting like I don't know but they were just so nice and yeah that was crazy I can just remember every night singing that with them I was like oh. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it's just yeah there is just something about panto that it's just and it's such like this like British tradition as well mm. like nowhere else really understands it or gets it like it's just something that we have created and I love that I love that it's like this British like uh, Christmas tradition that we have going on like now you mentioned to me before um something called I, I think I'm saying this wrong first first Christmas spectacular what what because I read all your notes but again I don't think I'm I, I could do it justice what what is it so first said Christmas spectacular is obviously a spectacular and it is in this Thurstead is a really small village in North Norfolk. Like, I feel like it's like maybe two roads long. Like it's this mm -hmm. tiny village. And this family, the Cushing family, have had this um, steam engine museum there for 
long time. I feel like the um, John Cushing, who is currently the the chap who produces it, his father, I believe, opened the museum. And basically, about 43 years ago, I want to say 43, 44, around that time, John Cushing just thought about, you know, it'd be a great idea to do something at Christmas to bring people to this location. Um, because I'm not sure who goes to a steam museum in the cold winter. So I think yeah. he, you know, mm. we needed, so basically he, I think, I don't want to get this wrong. <laughs> basically he had a choir and I want to say from Oxford, but it could be Cambridge, but I'm pretty sure the Oxford singers came and sang for them, the like Christmas carols and stuff um, for the first time. So then it sort of grew from that. So it's gone from sort of like if you acquire doing some lovely singing into this incredible show with like over 130 performers um, where there's a, a massive choir. It's like eight part harmony, eight? Yeah, eight part harmony. I was like, eight, is that double or four? <laughs> yeah, maths. Um, <laughs> these beautiful dancers, crazily talented orchestra and it's just like a Christmas explosion of everything it's a you know it's pretty old it's like old school variety the first half of the show and they have different variety acts that come every year and perform and do different things and um, it's like a speciality act and then you have all like the musical numbers of the singers and then you have numbers of the dancers and then you have ones where we're all together doing big musical numbers and it's so magical it's just I can't it's so hard to describe how magical and Christmassy this place is because I went on the website and it, there seems to be a lot going on of different yeah. things and I was like I can't yeah, quite yeah. So, pinpoint yeah, it I was like uh? yeah. <laughs> like next year you have to go mm. it's just crazy it's not obvious it's not happening this year which is so sad um they have a different little thing i think it's like the light show where you can go and look at all the amazing lights that they've got up there but um yeah it's just great this show is insane i, I can remember my first year going there my first time walking to where the stage in the auditorium is and it is just like every inch is christmas it is so Christmassy and like hanging from the ceilings, there's like Santa or there's like a goose, Christmas goose, or like it's little, like little um, snowmen. And the stage is really long. I should have looked up how long it is. It's massive. And there's a, um, a Wurlitzer, no, 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 no. Yeah, there is a Wurlitzer organ in the stage. Then this, yeah, it's insane. And like, it's just incredible and the show is like three hours long it's just this crazy christmas celebration and it honestly it's just really magical and because you're all there we all move up there for like three months we're all staying in little cottages locally it's got like this real feeling of like family and we're all there together and we all go on there's big parties we all do throughout the season as well that we all celebrate get to go to and we have a pride celebration there as well yeah. and it's just it's honestly the best the best time as a performer like I'm so lucky to have done it three years in a row like it is just so incredible I can't but sing yeah. or dance but how do I sign up well I, I could hold some props I'll have to do that that sounds great <laughs> Uh, absolutely like there is such an, and it's yeah it's not just people on the stage like the back the crew of everybody who is involved like when you think how many costumes are involved like things like that like sound lights even the guys that are you know have to be you know everybody involved 
it's just incredible to get this production. I don't know how it works, but it works. <laughs> and you do that from September as well. So yeah, we start the singing rehearsals. There's a week of rehearsals, the last week of September in London, we all get there and we all sing the score through. The first day you just sing through the score and you're mm. just, and hearing it all for the first time in all these amazing like harmonies that have been written, it's just incredible. And it's so funny because like, obviously not this year, last year it was so hot. I can remember it was really warm. And we're like sat mm. in this room, like sweltering, like singing these Christmas songs. <laughs> But yeah, it was, it's just, and then we all move like the first week of October, everybody goes there and we rehearse for the whole of October up there. And then the show begins the first week of November and runs until the 23rd. So we're all done in time for Christmas. It's like yeah. crazy, we're all there. And then suddenly it's like over and you go home and it's Christmas and it's like, this, and it's, you feel like it's going to be so long. Like, I feel like with every job, you just think, oh my gosh, we're going to be doing this for a really long time. And then you get to the end of it and you're like, oh, it's finished, it's done. Like, but yeah. And there was, you know, at the beginning, we can't, we do one show a day and it's lovely. And we all go out afterwards and get to do things. And by the end of the run, it's like two shows every single day. Um, so it's like intense Christmas, but it's just like so good. And what's so great is the show is obviously different every year different performers so mm. you just you know you're creating that like one little thing that's only ever going to exist this one time at this one Christmas um but yeah it's just great and the whole place like smells like mince pies and uh, mulled wine and it's just literally like incredible it's so a perfect good. picture it's so magical and what's so great is that we, we also do a lot of stuff in the audience like we'll go out and stand because it seats i think just under 15 1500 mm-hmm. people so we like go and stand in the audience and we sing in the audience and we like open the show processing through the audience and it's just so magical and you just sit there and because you, you look so close to them, they're like looking at you like, go on, you're, you're great. Like they're so like supportive and cute. And then, you know, because I'd say the audience there is the average age is, you know, a little older than your pantomime age. So um, it's not really not a lot of children there. There are children, but not as much as like in panto. It's more sort of aimed at a sort of older audience. Sure. And it's just, they're so like with you when you're performing, it's just so lovely. And a couple of years ago we did, um, oh my God, what's that song called? Here we go, remembering, Eleanor, remember the name of the song. This is like, game. Okay, I'm so bad at like, you know, in quizzes, like there's been obviously a thousand quizzes. Like, oh, every the quiz, they're like, in that song, I'm like, mm, mm. I know the song. Um, <laughs> we sang Ness and Dorma, spread through the audience and like all these harmonies. And it was just so moving. It was like, I can remember the last, the last time we all sang it, the last night I was like, oh, don't cry. Like, it was incredible just so wonderful but yeah it's just like Christmas has exploded and that's kind of why I needed the lights because I, I was like having Christmas withdrawals like about <laughs> mid beginning of November I was like I need to put my Christmas decorations up like there's wow. something wrong here I'm like used to I'm <laughs> used to being surrounded by it from October so I'm mm, like I need fair. to put the, the decks up now yeah, we only just... got our tree up yesterday and uh and our decorations so yeah we're definitely I mean, a december family that's normal <laughs> that is normal <laughs> everyone else is like i remember messaging my friends that like, i put my things up put my decks up and they were like oh okay <laughs> yeah keen 
And then they were like, well, I said, you know what? Nothing about this year has been normal. Like, put them up. If you mm. want them up, put them up. Like, just have, like, nice. And now, you know, it gets dark early. Just turn the lights on and sit down with a cup of tea and a book. And it's just so love cozy. I love it. I love wow. That's another thing that's so great about going to Thurston at Christmas. It's in the cottages. Like, they usually all have, like, a little fire. And like that is the only reason my boyfriend ever came to visit me was to like, come and light the fire every day. I'd come down, I'd, he'd be up there, and he, the fire would be on. <laughs> and I'd be like, no, but I don't light a fire because we're gonna go out for dinner. And I'm like, are you coming now? Like after show's finished, he's gonna come meet me. And he's like, oh well, I just lit a fire. And I'm like, what? No <laughs> fires. <laughs> there is something like, about men and the <laughs> internal desire to make fire. I mean, I'm crap at it, but my partner loves a fire. Like we've yeah. done cottages where he will. Go do the fire, man. Do fire. Yeah, like, I think yeah, it just yeah. must be left over from you know back in the back in the day. <laughs> it's like something in their your nature. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> so, looking back on all your um, pantomimes and performances you've worked on, what has been? I mean, this is gonna be a really hard question, probably. But what's been your favorite moment that's always stuck with you? Oh my gosh, that's a hard one. Mm. There's there's more than one. That is more than one. Like I mentioned earlier, like singing Sailor V with Kiwi and Adele. That was yeah. Adele. That was pretty spot on. Mm. But um, I'm trying to think. Ugh, there have been some amazing moments at Thursford as well. I, uh, oh, one of the moments at Thursford that was incredible was I was lucky enough to be doing the, one of the opening solos. So every solo in the show is triple cast or quadruple cast because we don't perform every day. There's You do six days and you have a day off. And um, so they have swings that cover you. So there's one person in your vocal group that learns everybody, learns six different roles and is in a different position every single day. That's, I don't even know how their minds work. It's incredible. So we had on one of the episodes, we have my friend Martin, who's a performer and he's currently um, doing caring work while this is all going on. He said he yeah. was a swing and he really downplayed it. And then I Googled what a swing actually is. I'm like, they're so vital. He was oh like, really God. cool. The other swing. Yeah, they're there. I was like, no, no, no. The swings are incredible. Like, especially because a lot of stuff, especially the opening number at Thursday is this routine with top hats. It's incredible. And it's all like cannons and things like that. And we're not, it, next to each other we're all spread out because you want the sound of the different voices blending throughout so the person who is playing the who is the swing they have to learn you know like six different cannons and six different things just for that one number it's incredible really? i don't know they're absolutely incredible people and then you have two people that are super swing so they cover all of the female parts or all of the male parts and their brains must just be they're, they're absolutely incredible like i can't Ha you know hats off to them yeah exactly like they are it's amazing so they cover you on your day off so they have so we have more than one person doing the solos mm -hmm. so that you know as well like because if you get tired your voice is you know we do two shows a day your voice get knackered so obviously that also helps with anything like that so i was very lucky my second year to sing the opening solo opening solo it was a duet it was um there's no business like show business right. and all the so basically we'd come, the choir come in and they sing the lovely, lovely Christmassy stuff. And then this sort of the spectacular explodes at this point. And all this, so I came on doing, there's no business like show business. And then the, all the dancers come on and they are in like full showgirl, amazing. They look stunning. They've got these feather fans and 
you know, they're like, like lifting their, kicking their legs in the air. Like it's oh, incredible. Absolutely such, such talent. I'm like, my leg has never done that. <laughs> um, and this one moment where me and, the, and the, the person I was singing with, we walked towards each other in front of the line of the girls and they lifted the fans up. So it was kind of like a wave of fans. And we got to like walk under this, wave of fans we met in the middle like to go there's no business like show business and I'm like every night like there's no business like show business like, walking under the fans and thinking there's nothing like this moment like I could just remember in rehearsal when they did it the first time I was like oh. but yeah going, there's no business like show business like what there isn't like and then it's just like singing about singing about like the, this thing like stood on the stage in front of 1500 people like with all these incredibly talented people alongside me and I just was like it was just amazing. I think that was one of my favourite top moments. Absolutely. Insane. That's oh, amazing. It was just, yeah, I just don't know. What, yeah, that was one of them, I have to say. So, so for, for the future, obviously nothing's really happening currently right now, performance-wise, but in the future, are there any rumblings about stuff building up again or is it still quite quiet? Or Well, I feel like it's, I think obviously everybody wants to get back on, get going. So I think, I know that there are productions that are sort of getting ready to open and obviously some have now, like Six has opened again. Yes. Um, and there's obviously lots of little pantos and stuff happening. Um, so I do feel like we're getting there slowly. Mm. Um, yeah, we just got to wait and see. It's difficult because I think obviously it's such a risk. You don't want to open a show, get everything going again and then have to close. Yeah. The theatre's got to, the problem is it has to be, have enough, audience members to make it viable to put the show on like mm -hmm. luckily with six you know it's a smaller cast so I'm assuming that helps like I don't you know I don't know the ins and outs of the details of that but like I just mean I feel like it will get there slowly and there are little productions and stuff happening where it's where you're able to do sort of like covid safe performance mm. um but yeah but I've been working on my own little show <laughs> oh really yeah, so basically, I've been working on it for like <laughs> over a year, but I just, I just haven't had the like balls to just book a venue. I just feel like I'm just kind of like, I don't know, I'm like holding on to it still because if I once I've booked it, I have to do it. <laughs> do it, <laughs> do it, do it, do it. No, I will, and it's I just because I felt I get like this like crazy imposter syndrome because I'm like. Well, I'm not like big, I'm not famous in the industry. Nobody really knows who I am. Like, I'm just, you know, doing me. Uh, you won uh, Panto Factor. I think you'll find. <laughs> that is true. Just, uh, yeah. That is true. Um, but I just kind of feel like who's, I get this thing where I'm like, who wants to come and watch Little Me, like, talk about my life and sing a song, sing some songs? Like, who's going to, what venue is going to have me? Whereas I just need to do it. I just need to say, I want to do this show. Like, can you fit me in? as opposed to, oh, I, I just need to do it. That's what I have to do. But yeah, I just got to book it. Because once it's booked, that's it, it's happening. Yeah. And the show is called, So I'm Not a Princess. <gasps> because honestly, as a child, like I honestly thought I was a princess. Like, I, <laughs> it, was like a, it was like a shock to my system when I discovered <laughs> that I was I mean, so, so did I as a child. Sweet, exactly. so I'm not a princess? No, I think exactly. you're fine. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. Yeah. yeah. So that's kind of like the premise of my show is kind of me talking about sort of growing up and, you know, moving to London and discovering I'm in fact not a real princess, no matter what it feels like in my heart. But yeah. That sounds so I, genius. Yeah. I just need to do it now. It's like, it's ready. The whole show is written. I've written it. I've got it ready to go. I just have to book it in and, 
but then I, I feel like now might be a good time because it has to be a smaller capacity in the audience. I'm like, well, I haven't got to sell it to as many people now. <laughs> hey, I got the show but for get, you people. Get it on. <laughs> any venues wanting me, let me know. <laughs> oh, I definitely get on that. And at yeah. the moment you do, um, I'll be there watching, Absolutely. bringing all our people. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we are coming to the end of the podcast, I'm afraid. Um, how can people, if you want people to find you on social media and such, how can we find you? Yeah, I'm on Instagram at Eleanor Sanders, but Sanders is spelled S-A-N-D-A-R-S. So don't She's make different. a typo. Accent. I think if you type it in wrong, you'll come up then anyway. And that's kind of that's kind of where I only hang out. And I don't really use it that much. So just jump on and you'll find me. <laughs> and uh, thank you again so much for taking the time to be on the podcast and uh, share all your lovely Thanks enchanting <laughs> moments. Um, yes, so we'll uh, we'll call that a do then. A, a do? We'll call it a do. Um, yes, do. thank you. <laughs> I do. Uh, <laughs> what? I hate, I, hate, I hate the exits to the podcast. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, and we'll talk soon. Thank you. All right. Bye. Bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.